everybody. Welcome to MHTV. It's lovely to have you with us tonight. Um, so usual crew with you, um, but Dave's back from behind the camera today, so you're going to see a bit more of him. So before we get started, we're going to be talking about gambling and particularly around the kind of mental health issues and how you can support people who are in this situation. Before we do that, because we really do want to hear from you as well, I'll hand over to Dave and he can tell you how you can join in tonight because we want to hear your questions and anything we need clarifying. So please let us know. Dave? Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Hi, everyone. It's great to be on another episode of MHTV tonight from the other side of the camera. Uh, there's a couple of ways that you can join in, as always. Uh, the first one is on the Facebook live chat. All you need to do is post your comments or questions, thoughts, anything on there. Uh, and obviously, I'll try and bring in as, as many of those as we can on tonight's episode. The other option you've got is if you're on Twitter, just use the hashtag MHTV. Uh, and we'll see those tweets. It's also a really good place for us to share links and information uh, that I'm sure Bridget will be sharing as we go through tonight's episode. But without further ado, straight back to you, Nikki. Absolutely. So let's introduce our fantastic guest, Bridget. Bridget, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, yes, of course, Nikki. Uh, so I started, well, my background uh, first, I'm a psychologist. Uh, so I've been working in psychology for about 16 years. Um, only seven years ago, I randomly started uh, uh, being pulled into the problem of the gambling. When I moved into the UK, I was only volunteering and finding out about the issue. And it struck me when I started understanding the uh, the amplitude of the of the of the problem um, so I started working uh, a little bit more on that and very quickly I was I was working full-time about seven years ago with an organization a smaller charity which was more local in London um, we did a lot of outreach to trying to raise uh, awareness and and also treatment obviously and then in 2018 I started my work with GAMCARE which is the leading provider um, of treatment for for treatment and support for uh, gambling related harms so both for gamblers and people affected by someone else's gambling uh, so i've been i've been with them for four years now i started as a practitioner so i was mainly uh, treating and supporting people affected then i progressed into a team leader position and uh, now i'm the service manager for the service uh, it's been very busy a lot of things have been happening in the in the charity we've yeah. developed so much and thankfully uh, more awareness is coming up and there's a lot being done in the background even the nhs uh, is, is getting involved so there's a lot happening in the world of the gambling addiction which is lovely to see absolutely i guess it would be helpful for us to understand a little bit more about what we mean what the scope of the issue is and and how gambling can affect people's well-being and the people around them maybe Mm -hmm. So in terms of scope, uh, there's always been a, a lot of reticence to talk about numbers because the number is really not a, a good representation. So as far as we know, in 2018, there was about 0.4% uh, uh, of, of the population that was um, uh, considered as problematic gamblers. However, that's only counting people who actually come forward. And uh, it's really difficult with this specific addiction, which is very hidden. Um, and his, like most gamblers manage to hide their gambling and the impact of it for years and years and years. If, they, if, if it ever comes out, uh, it still 
difficult to gauge whether that would come into be covered by that number. Uh, in all point of view, there's a lot more than that. Um, and there's a lot of people who need encouragement to come forward. Uh, so we can actually understand the amplitude in, of the problem in the population. There is one indicator. Um, uh, so in, in 2018, which is already four years ago, so that, that may have changed, uh, the Gambling Commission survey uh, reported that 7% of the population that was included in the survey uh, reported that they were gambling to earn money to get through their day by day. So it wasn't about fun, which is the, what the reason most people would be gambling, and that would be for, for fun, to win the jackpot, to think about the dream life. And we all like play the lottery sometimes or have these random uh, gambling activities that are completely harmless. Uh, but 7% of the, the people in that survey actually said that they were gambling to get money for the day by day to get day by day for food, for bills, for things like that. So they rely on gambling for these kind of necessities, uh, which is what we see in treatment. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stories that we hear. And another 8% of that survey said they were gambling for other reasons mm -hmm. than, than the fun, than the socializing, than, you know, it wasn't positive reason. It's other mm -hmm. reasons for them, uh, which may, we believe could be related to pay debts Mm. Uh, and things like that so mm. so we're seeing people gambling almost out of desperation in some cases rather than it's not about enjoyment it's not about you know skill or anything like that it's it's genuinely desperate people trying to just get by and most of them would get risk chase yeah. their losses really uh, yeah. that's what that's what happens with 99 percent of the gamblers they yeah. they are only trying to recover and yeah. then they obviously lose control because even even if they manage to recover they are stuck in that loop mm. um, and actually every time they win mm. they reinforce the idea that they can mm. win mm. Uh, so winning is a problem really yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, because overall you're losing otherwise that exactly even in the industry <laughs> many of them yeah. actually manage to recover at some point because they have a big win uh or they but the problem is that they are too entrenched in in the cognitive distortions um, and, and they just carry mm. on with the gambling mm. because they don't realize that the gambling actually has another part mm. in their life. It's not only about the money anymore. Mm. It's about the thrill. It's about the escapism. It's about everything in life and mm. what the gambling is providing to them. Mm. I suppose there's a distinct lack of options for some people as well. They really feel they're not choosing from like a wide range of choices. They've got much narrower options. Yeah. and much higher stakes, I guess, in terms of what will happen if they don't have money tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Already we're seeing like a very different picture, I think, that's in a lot of people's mind about what a gambler is. Or So how do we define someone whose who's gambling has become a problem? How, how would you assess that? So uh, in terms of, we talk about the gambling continuum, mm. uh, where on one side of the continuum, you have people who are in control. They gamble for fun, occasionally, mm. entertainment, social. Mm. They go to the race with their friends, mm. you know, the Grand National, the lottery, yeah. things like that. So, And they mm. usually stick to their gambling limits. Uh, they have a budget. Uh, okay, I'm only having like 50 quid to mm. spend in the casino because that's a special night. Yeah. Uh, and they allow that budget and that's fine. They, they are happy to walk away. Uh, having lost lost that money and uh, then when we increase the risk in the middle of the spectrum is where people start uh, to 
gamble more frequently on different types of gamble the gambling activities not only their preferred activity but start looking at other things as well and they start chasing their losses so they're not accepting that they have lost the money um, they also start overspending go over that their limits they start concealing when they are gambling they conceal how much they've lost so th the concealment is about the money but also about the time that they spend so they, they would you know hide to gamble for example and say they've been doing something else instead um they also usually have some kind of a you, you can tell they have difficulties in concentrating in other activities at that point as well. Uh, so they become more preoccupied uh, and more isolated as well. Because obviously, if you spend a lot of time uh, gambling, that's time that you're not spending with your family. And, and the preoccupation would usually uh, stop them from wanting to, uh, to in engage with other people. Um, then at the end of the spectrum, where we find the severe gambling and the problematic uh, behaviors, it's when they, we can start seeing people borrowing money, um, uh, criminal activity, fraud, stealing, uh, constantly thinking about the gambling. So they become not preoccupied, but obsessed mm -hmm. about uh, how they're going to gamble uh, the next time that they're going to gamble. Um, their relationships are also impacted a lot at that point. Most, mm -hmm. most gamblers will have uh, broken down their relationships, whether it's with friends or at home, uh, with family members, usually because they have either taken money and not being able to pay back or they pay back and then they ask again. So it's, it's like a, a vicious circle uh, in terms of finances. Um, then obviously at work, uh, that could, that also impacts on their ability to focus at work and 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 their productivity. Uh, being late at work or you know not being fully in their uh, in in what they are supposed to be doing. They could be on their phone instead. Uh, so this kind of behaviors at work can be also quite risky because they may end up losing their jobs as a result. Um, and finally, and which is the, the one that is most preoccupying for us, is the suicidal thoughts. So when the mental health starts taking taking the hit of all this, because obviously all this has an impact on the person, and and usually they're very stigmatized about stigmatized about the reason why they are in this situation. Uh, and judged by most of the population, which is understandable. Uh, that's why we're here. We're here to raise the awareness and 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 make people understand that it's not only about a choice, really. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll 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 come to this. But yeah, in terms of the gambling continuum, we have people in control, people uh, who are who are at risk, and people who have a problematic behavior. And the interesting thing is that people can actually jump from one point in the spectrum or, or, or the other. So someone, for example, who just lost a lot of money, uh, lost a lot of money, will decide, okay, that's it, I'm not gambling anymore, uh, or they may not have any more money to gamble for the rest of the month. So they will stop gambling for the rest of the month because they literally cannot. Uh, but then when they get, they get their next payday, that's when it falls again. Uh, because they are not regularly gambling and not always thinking about the gambling it's more like a binge of of yeah. gambling yeah. Um, they will see themselves as not not necessarily problematic um so they may not gamble at all for a month yeah. or two uh, but then as soon as it happens again they lose completely con control and and the whole uh impact happens mm. just the same yeah. that makes sense and it's interesting because there's some real overlap between other types of addiction isn't there that the shame the secrecy um 
and presumably the the risk of sort of loan sharks and other people who recover money as well we do work uh, quite mm. a lot with people affected by loan sharks that's a huge risk mm. i'm um, being polite when i say recover money there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um obviously that's uh, we usually link up to the police department yeah. they, they have a special department for loan sharks and uh, we mm. usually refer to them when this is a situation and yeah. they can actually support people in an anonymized way mm. it's quite safe so we do try mm. to encourage people to get engaged with this uh, police mm. service mm. Uh, but yeah it, it is very complex once they are in that mm. rabbit hole Mm. It, it, there's a lot of risk involved, uh, mm. both, both for the safety of the gambler, but for people around the gambler, the mm. family. So sometimes the loan shark people may actually go to the uh, uh -huh. to the home yeah. Um, and, and threaten, yeah, mm. threaten the family members. Mm. So it's yeah. very concerning mm. when, when we deal with those ones. In terms of the barriers uh, to speak up and to ask for support, that's really the shame and the guilt are the number number one reasons mm. why uh, why people well along with the awareness uh, so the fact that they don't know that there is a support available for it uh, that it's completely completely confidential that they can actually uh, have access to counseling to therapies to you know a lot of things uh, even financial advice uh, we can help them with lots of things in a confidential way and lots lots of them didn't don't know about that service mm. um, and they just think that they can't afford to have uh, a therapist uh, mm. or anything like that so the awareness of the support is really important and it needs to come from professionals uh, so as long as professionals involved um, in the care of people can actually pick up on the issues and say this person is not well you know mm. if you have mm. problems with gambling just go mm. to the service it's free it's confidential it's safe um, but in terms of the other barriers internal barriers the shame and the guilt are really really strong with gamblers mm. which is natural because if you think about the other types of addiction alcohol and drugs um it's it's almost impossible to hide them you come to a point where yeah, the person yeah, will lo yeah. lose consciousness will be mm. thinking alcohol and the the physical signs of of the other addictions in a way are helpful because it gives people around the person an indicator that something is wrong mm -hmm. uh, with gambling you don't have that people can be problematic gamblers for 20 years without any physical signs although there's an there's a lot of people who eat less and you know their physical health is actually impacted mm -hmm. um, you know the anxiety the, so they're the, spending money on gambling and then staying hungry yeah Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when they lose all their money, they spend the rest of the month uh, eating mm. very badly or, mm. or almost mm. not. Um, mm. So we, we do work a lot with food bank vouchers. And so we do provide um, mm. parcels through the food, food bank uh, network. Um, mm. And unfortunately, that's happened more, more often uh, than it used to. So mm. it, it is... It, quite worrying to see that people rely on more and more on on, on food bank um mm -hmm. and I, I guess it's not only gamblers uh, it's it's everyone with the rising costs mm. of life uh, mm. and actually what's happening in terms of the cost of life of living uh, is very worrying for us as well because a lot of people start thinking about the gambling as a way to yeah. meet tense um so we we can see an increase of uh of 
people with um, suffering from the gambling related harms as, as a result. Yeah, typically, I mean, with lockdown and things, I guess a lot of gambling moved online. Rather than yes. So how did that? Um, how did that impact the numbers of people maybe? And their access, I guess that's very different, isn't it? If you can gamble online 24 hours, it's very different from having to go somewhere to place a bet. It can be quite difficult for people who are not very familiar with access to IT, uh, you know, Zoom and uh, mm. and things like that. But we did, thankfully, GamCare was already quite advanced in the um, provision of mm. remote support, mm. so telephone sessions, uh, telephone support, and also Zoom. We've been doing Zoom for like 10 years uh, for treatment sessions. So. Mm. We were sort of prepared, uh, but obviously we saw a huge increase of um, of people um, transitioning from uh, land-based type of gambling. So, uh, you know, betting shops, uh, casinos, starting to do it online on their mm -hmm. phone, which is considerably more risky because it's always there. It's always present. You can gamble at two in the morning. It's on your phone, just a click away. Uh, which is not wasn't the case with uh, casinos or betting shops. So mm. a lot of vulnerable people actually transitioned that way. Mm -hmm. So I think exactly as you're describing, you know, societally speaking, we've got more instability, higher costs of living, perhaps more desperation. People have been made very uncertain by COVID, very lonely and bored sometimes at home with nothing but a phone with them. So you've got all the things swirling around together, which look like they're, very much going to increase the number of people that come into contact with gambling, come into contact with problem gambling. So suppose you're a health and social care worker or someone who's working, what sort of things should you be looking out for? How might you be able to spot somebody in difficulty, particularly as you say, it's, it's, it's so easy to hide. And there's also, you know, gambling itself isn't as easy to sort of say is it's some like a separate behavior isn't it because as you were saying a lot of people will have a flutter on the grand national a lot of people will have lottery tickets so this is kind of woven into society in a, in, a, in a strange way so how can people identify when someone's in difficulty well the signs that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. which actually represented the gambling gambling related harms as we call mm -hmm. them uh, all the impacts can actually be identified quite easily if you yeah. know the person obviously if you don't know the person but mm -hmm. for example in terms of mental health if someone starts having mood disorders uh having mood swings mm -hmm. uh, which is unusual for that person didn't used to have those mood swings and all of a sudden become very snappy mm -hmm. and one day is like glowing super happy the next day completely down mm -hmm. that's an indicator and sometimes even in the same day because they may have lost a lot of money mm -hmm. Uh, from one minute to the next so they may be starting the day very happy and then the second uh, in the next second they may be actually struggling um, so there's a lot of shame as well so is it isolation uh, people withdrawing from um, social activities you know those people that mm. family members maybe mm. haven't seen for a while that's weird you know we have we invite the person they're never available so someone who shows little availability for social gathering um, mm. and usually have excuses for not showing up somewhere it's either because they um they don't want to face other people they don't want to be asked any questions or uh it's because they sometimes don't even have the money 
Um, so obviously, if you don't have, you know, if you're struggling to buy food, you're certainly not going to go to 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 the pub for for a brunch or or for anything else. So it, the best way, really, if you if you suspect that someone is having gambling issues, is not to invite them to go out, uh, mm. but to stay in, you know, mm. for for coffee and mm. something like that. Um, so we have lots of symptoms that we can pick up, mm. uh, you know. Um, eating less, mm. so losing weight, mm. uh, self-care, someone who's not taking care of themselves anymore. Mm. So for example, if it's a lady, maybe she, she may not, you know, take care of her hair, mm. uh, the, the makeup, you know, like mm. someone is taking care of, shows good sign of care. Mm. Um, usually someone who's doing well. Um, so someone who's not doing so well and mm. will be preoccupied, obsessed with something will let those things slide uh, mm. outside of their routine. Mm. Um, obviously, suicidal ideation uh, is yeah. a big sign. Uh, and that's also an issue that we recognize that even sometimes mental health services and and professionals working with people who, who committed, who, who attempted on their own life, um, don't even ask that question yeah. you know they 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 it's not yet in uh in professionals mind and yeah. uh it's not yet an habit mm. actually acknowledge mm. that is this mm. person gambling did, did the, the the suicidal uh intent came mm. from that mm. uh, so only now there's a little bit of work uh done but it's still very mm. very far from what we need because mm a lot but i would say 70 to 80 percent of the population that we support so all um, service users when they come to us they will report suicidal suicidal ideation at some point yeah it's yeah. huge it's yeah. really really huge mm. and the gambling addiction is the gambling well is the addiction that uh, kills the most by suicide mm. um so obviously the other addictions have their own problems um in terms of health concerns mm. uh but in terms of suicide that, that the gambling addiction is, is the most concerning of all mm. um and yeah so we don't interesting no, one, no, no one wants to get to that point of the sea but that's the mm. ultimate sign that something is not right mm. um in terms of other signs obviously financial struggles someone mm. dead someone who's uh, relying on credit cards someone who's uh, involved with weird people loan sharks uh, someone who's spending uh, family savings, uh, someone who's involved in suddenly involved in criminality, who stole yeah. money from someone else. So that's a big sign as well. Mm. Um, and someone as well who may be spending, overly spending money. Mm. Uh, so imagine someone who's struggling with money one day and the next day will be buying gifts to everyone. Yeah. So gamblers usually uh, have a, 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 some a level of fear in holding on to the money. Um, so when they actually win, they unconsciously know that this money is going to go, right? So they would usually try and compensate uh, and, and, and spend that money quite quickly. So it's very rare when a gambler yeah. that wins actually mm -hmm. manage to keep the money uh, mm -hmm. for a, a substantial amount of time. Mm -hmm. They will overspend usually, buy new TV, buy new shoes, buy this, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. It's so interesting because a lot of the things you're saying would flag up, I think, with community mental health workers, people who are working closely with someone from any health. You'd notice things like physical changes, money spending, but you might not necessarily think this is about debt. This is about 
about gambling. And they're think, all related. Yeah, I think David has got some questions. He's has, has been stockpiling. So, do you think are you ready for us to, to to launch some questions on you? Go on, Dave. Yep. So we've had Alf. Hi, Alf. Great to have you with us again. Uh, and he's asking something that I wasn't aware of. I don't know if you know about this, Bridget. Uh, there seems to be a strand of research suggesting that gay men are particularly at risk of gambling. Would you have anything to add or are there specific interventions to engage with gay men particularly? So gaming, uh, it's been a huge part of the conversation because obviously it's not regulated, it's not considered as a type of gambling. Uh, however, we do recognize a lot of issues uh, because the way some games are built actually recreate the same neural pathways as gambling um, neural pathways. So what happens in the brain of a gambler will be replicated in some way in the brain of a gamer. And that depends very much on the types of games as well. So there's there's a new type of gambling. It's not completely yeah. new now. Uh, it's called skin gambling, mm. um, which integrates um, now internal uh, ways of gambling activities very subtly uh, so you would uh, loot boxes uh, buy buy uh, kind of uh, things inside the game to make your avatar better or to make your guns look I better see what you're saying yeah so and then outside of that there will be platforms where they can mm. actually exchange yeah. between gamers and yeah. that that here becomes completely yeah. um, uh, bluntly gambling yeah. in, in those platforms i think we've had an accent crisis between the north and everywhere else and <laughs> he's no, saying it's gay amazing, actually men yes, yes gay men homosexual men <laughs> not gay men rather than oh, gaming no. I'm so sorry. Honestly, I no, can barely a... understand him, Bridget. Don't okay, even worry. Well, it's, it's also, <laughs> also before, very interesting. Just before you answer, though, Bridget, I've got to say that was going to be one of my next questions about how, you know, they develop new ways of parting people from the money that kind of influence that kind of, you know, the, the gambling side of things. I, I know people right. have spoken nationally about concerns of things like in-app purchases and lock boxes and how, you know, that that can be hugely damaging, especially to young people, because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. kind of targeting young people who you're not allowed to target and aren't allowed to gamble, yeah. but actually, you know, do it in a way where you, you're doing pretty much the same thing to them. Yeah, but the, the question that Alf asked was actually about... Gay men. Yeah, there seems to be a strand of research suggesting that homosexual men are particularly at risk of gambling, which I completely wasn't aware of. Uh, and would you have anything to add or are there specific interventions to engage with homosexual men? Yes, they, for me, as a psychologist, it's pretty clear that there is a relationship between minorities um, and people who have struggled socially um, and people who have been also in going through a lot of struggles personally. Um, to have this kind of uh, behaviours and and uh, Turn, turning to addictions in general, not only the gambling, uh, but other types of addiction. It is, the gay community is affected not because they are gay, but because what they go through 
right? They mm -hmm. face a lot of um, uh, difficulties in society, unfortunately, still. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, they, they turn very often to escapisms. Uh, they do develop mental health, uh, mental health issues, depression, uh, identity issues, uh, you know, a lot of things come from childhood as well. A lot of the traumas that we are looking at with gamblers come from their childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that a gay man may be struggling now, but certainly in their childhood, something that may have happened uh, mm -hmm. and not have happened to the general mm -hmm. population mm -hmm. may be a, a precursor, a risk factor, mm -hmm. uh, which will be present with, with most gay men, gay people in general. Mm -hmm. So that, that's not surprising. And that mm -hmm. happens with other minorities as well, who face uh, a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, refugees, for example, people who are more likely to have traumas in their lives and have mm -hmm. gone through difficult things. Um, so it's more about mental health mm -hmm. than, than the mm -hmm. community itself. But yes, gay community is likely to suffer more. Uh, their, their mental health is likely to be affected more than uh, the rest of the, the population. I'm so impressed that you could answer both of those questions <laughs> flawlessly. <laughs> but I think you were, I think it's really interesting as well to consider gambling as a form of response to trauma because that's not something a lot of people think of. No, actually, and there are some uh, factors that mm. we can identi identify as potential risk factors. Mm. So people who have been, um, who've suffered traumas in the past, abuse, neglect, bullying, uh, all kinds yeah. of things that can be traumatic. Mm. Uh, people who have low self-esteem, who have an existing uh, mental health problem mm. or past mental health problem, even if it's resolved, there's still this history mm. of, of, uh, of mental health issues. Mm. People who have, have or are using drug and alcohol, so co-addiction mm. is very much a, a big thing, but also people who have stopped uh, using drugs or stopped uh, drinking alcohol then turn to other type of addiction because they still seek an escapism mm. and gambling being a very subtle one mm. uh, is not something that is on people's radar mm. they usually think it's mm. it's harmless mm. uh, but actually it's just turning from an, uh, one addiction mm. to the next mm. uh, having right, that idea about self-soothing distraction and also playing with power and control particularly if you feel like you lack it it makes it makes a lot of sense when you think it's true are there yes. more questions dave uh, there is the, uh, one of the ones that's really interesting is you mentioned about the cost of living crisis mm. and i suppose you know is there any evidence that shows whether gambling increases when there's kind of economic shocks or is there a decrease because uh, you would kind of hope that as people realize they've got less money available to them that they won't engage in gambling but I'm, I'm guessing that that might actually not be true so in terms of the impact of what's been happening recently um my my first thought would be that we will we will only see the impact of this on the addiction side of things in 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 not now because it takes time uh, we've seen we've seen a lot of people coming um to our service who have started gambling in the last year. Um, so they are usually young, um, but really, if we think about the process of the, the addiction, it's likely that they're actually gonna come forward a lot later. So let's say that over the last six months, the, 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 the thing, things 
the cost of living has increased quite a lot. People who have started gambling in the last six months may only actually start coming for support next year or something like that. It's quite rare that we have someone who starts gambling and a month later has for support. We do have those cases, but that's quite rare. And usually they only come for advice. Uh, they're already understanding that, whoa, what am I doing here? You know, that's that's too much. I've, lo I've just lost like 600 pounds of my, uh, you know, uh, my salary. That That's not okay. So they would kind of have this shock one time and 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 ask for support but usually it's people try to solve the problem themselves for quite a long time they will think well okay that was just a mistake that's fine i'm i'm going i'm just going to stop um, and then they do it again and again and again and only after a few times of doing it they actually understand that they are not able to to face the problem on their own mm. Mm. okay and there's a question here about kind of is is something like Kind of like national lotteries do they act as a gateway to more serious gambling or actually are they just something that you know don't do that that it, you know if people are going to seriously gamble then you know they'll, they'll do it whether they've you know there's, there's no kind of escalation of gambling what do you mean sorry can you repeat i lost you there a little bit <laughs> you saying is if is the, the lottery like a gateway drug to to yeah. types of gambling so we do have uh interestingly uh there's uh seems to be a type of the population that gambles more on scratch cards, lottery. Um, so it it is not something that young people would usually choose to gamble. However, we do identify that women, uh, for example, will um, will use bingo, online bingos, and things like that, or go to the bingo for social socialization and mm. uh, or scratch cards, but because they go shopping, they go to the shop, and vulnerable people. Usually vulnerable people are usually um, the ones who, so people who have mental health issues, people who are dependent, um, are the ones that usually would uh, kind of get into uh, problems with uh, scratch cards, national lottery. However, national, um, the national lottery is, is something that doesn't come up too often as, as the main issue. Uh, it, 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 can, it happens, uh, but it's usually people who are quite vulnerable, which okay. is also very concerning. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a question here from uh, someone who's got a family member that has a gambling problem and keeps asking them for money. Uh, and that kind of bit about what's the best thing to do? You know, is it to give them the money because they need it to pay off debts or is that just kind of feeding the, the problem and, and they shouldn't do that? That's a very good question. So obviously there's the issue of enabling the gambler to carry on gambling. Uh, so it really depends on the situation, let's say, because sometimes uh, how far is the gambler going to go uh, to to obtain that money and how safe is the family member? Because uh, in the end, that's always about safety, right? Uh, so how safe is the gambler and how safe is the, is, is the family member? Uh, our preference obviously would be to not enable uh, the gambler but there are some situations where actually that's the best choice um, but there needs to be if you are providing the money for for the uh, gambler to carry on and pay the debt there may be other ways maybe pay the debts for the for the gambler maybe pay the bills ask for pay the bill paying the bills instead of giving the money or giving vouchers giving uh, gifts gift cards that it can be used in shops 
things like that. So uh, always avoid giving cash and, and transfer money and try to find other routes to support the person without uh, putting the, the gambler at in that position of having money. Because very often they are very genuine. They actually want the money to, to, to pay the debt or to pay a bill. But as soon as they see themselves with the money available, they lose track, they, they're triggered. It's a trigger. Having money is a trigger right? They can have the best intention when they are uh, asking for the money, but as soon as they have it in their pocket, that's when the trigger and the urges come in because they, they think actually, well, I now have 20 pounds that I need to use for my bills or for whatever. And if I could only make it 40, that would be enough to help me enough to, to you know, to pay something else. And usually, obviously, that's when they lose it. So the intention of the gambler may be good, the intention of the, the 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 person, the family member, is definitely very good, um, but there needs to be something else put in place. Right? There needs to be a conversation. There needs to be support put in place. There needs to be a listening here. Um, it's all about listening without judging, um, and understand that there's a lot more going on for that person than just decision, than deciding to gamble. Um, so, what I would recommend to to this family member is to also contact. GAMCARE because we do provide a very strong support for affected others um, and it's all about making sure that the person is okay the family member cannot do anything and will not be able to support the gambler in a psychological way if they're not okay themselves and that's why for us it's really important that to safeguard the family members and make sure they are okay make sure they are not at risk of also having issues with their money because obviously the family member has a limited resource of money as well you know uh, that's that's impactful it's it could sometimes go towards like financial abuse and this is something that sometimes we actually have to to report to authorities mm -hmm. you know it, it is not okay to 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 carry on doing this over and over mm -hmm. but it's a case by case but yeah i would definitely recommend that person to reach out so that specific case can be discussed mm -hmm. uh, and the steps can be made I've got a question, if that's okay. It's come through. It's, um, forgive me, I'm going to paraphrase your question. I'm going to shorten it a little bit. But it's basically around, um, I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about money. So how do I ask about this? How do I have this conversation? Oh, good question. If I'm not... So the, yeah, the person... someone is talking about this kind of discomfort, the social discomfort. They're not brought up to talk about money. So how do I have this conversation with, with a service user or, or somebody I'm looking after? How do you ask about this is what they've asked. Oh, we, we can definitely have... Mm. a lot of work done without talking about money mm. because we understand that see it's, it's a psychosocial um problem mm. so it's not about the money what we need to change mm. is everything around the money uh so mm. sometimes we even have very successful treatment without touching on the budget mm. or you know talking about the money it's about mm. understanding understanding what's going on around that but mm. also changing the relationship with the money because sometimes the relationship the person has with the money is also problematic mm. and making the person more comfortable about talking about money can actually be key mm. yeah so changing the way we interact with money and changing the way we perceive money um is is, is quite important yeah mm -hmm. So what does recovery look like then? Because you're saying someone can go a long time if they don't have any cash without gambling, but the problem is still there underlying the minute the money comes back, the minute the impulse comes back. So how can you tell if someone's 
better. So obviously there's the aftercare is something mm -hmm. that goes on and on, right? So the, the, the recovery doesn't stop when they stop their sessions. Uh, it, it carries on for them. They need to have their plan in place in the future. Mm -hmm. So obviously having some blockings, obstacles to gamble. Mm -hmm. um, if the person gambles online, having you know blocking softwares in place, uh, having some kind of blocking on their bank accounts, to make sure that they, they are not able to use their credit cards and, and debit card for gambling activities online. Uh, if it's in the betting shops, then uh, making sure that they are self-excluded. Uh, so those steps are helpful for the future because they represent an obstacle. They are not the answer because if a gambler really wants to gamble, they will find a way. Hmm. However, it will provide them with some time to reflect on what they're doing and it might actually stop them one day and mm. uh, and they, they may try or not the next day. Mm. Um, but in terms of the long-term recovery, we do see a, uh, some people come back. Um, it, it's quite common that people will relapse and it's part of the process as well. Mm. Uh, and we one thing that we really work on is the acceptance uh, that this may happen and that's mm. not the end of the world. You know, it's about containing the impact of it mm. and learning from it. Mm. If a relapse happens, it's because something happened. Mm. Something mm. else happened that triggered it. Mm. And it's about a lot of mental, uh, well, psychological work to identify what are those triggers, what is triggering you to, to relapse, and mm. working together in finding ways to respond to those triggers. Mm. If it's stress, then mm. finding ways to reduce the stress. Mm. Uh, if it's debt, having ways to, to reduce the debt or to reduce the pressure that the debt is, is mm. putting on. So feeling more yeah. on control. Um, mm. but the right way of working will be quite familiar to, to people in health and social care, isn't it? Find out what the, what the behavior is trying to communicate. Yes. Find what the underlying issue is, then find out what the most pressing issue is and almost reverse engineering your solution. Exactly. And one of the big things that makes a huge difference is the changes that happen during the treatment. So the changes that happen during treatment are not only about the money. Mm. Uh, they are not about stopping the behavior. It's the changes that are implemented around the person. Mm. So mm. having better relationships, having a better way of communicating with mm. people when, when mm. they are struggling, mm. having a support network in place mm. that they're actually using effectively, mm. having tools to budget their money, having lots of other resources that they, they didn't have before. And the acknowledgement that they something is something needs support, they mm. need support with some things. Mm. Um, that makes a huge difference. And usually they are a lot more comfortable going away after the treatment and putting things in place. It's about self-awareness mm. um, a lot. So the person in treatment will discover a lot of things about themselves. Mm. Um, they will find out about their own uh, personal traumas, maybe personal issues, uh, what they need to work on and their goals. What do they want to achieve in life? What are the things that they are not so happy about that they could actually change yeah. and the things that they cannot change as well and then accept those things? Yeah. Um, We've been talking so a little about triggers and I've got a question that might trigger you. So let me ask it. <laughs> if it's like, I can't deal with this right now, we'll stop. So I want to ask them, shouldn't the government be doing something about this? <laughs> I think the government have got issues at the moment, but yes. So I mean, like if, if they uh, the, the question is about um, they legislate against drugs and alcohol or around drugs, shouldn't they be doing something about gambling then? 
So the, there is a better re regulation than it used mm. to be. Uh, if you think about 20 years ago, um, mm. right, it was it was quite um, ignored. Uh, so some things are happening, but unfortunately it happens very slowly. Um, mm. And at the moment, it's still not considered uh, a public health issue like the other addictions are. Yeah. So until it gets actually to that point, um, the government doesn't really in get involved because it's not under the right place right so is there a gambling not... industry lobbying then about this what's what's the industry's response so i don't really work directly with the industry thankfully yeah. but yeah. um obviously that that that's something that may be happening yeah. uh, there's a lot of things happening in, in in the government and the industry is quite strong as well um mm -hmm. so but they are also doing a lot of things to improve uh, the service user experience and making things safer so we, Gamke is also working with the industry to train their staff and to put mm. things in place, uh, come up with new ideas in identifying people who are gambling too much, people who are be being affected, having uh, pathways in place to make sure they have someone to talk to if if they are mm. gambling too much. So there's a, a there's a lot of work being done uh, between the industry and and services like ours mm. to make sure that they actually have things in place. Yeah. Um, however, a business is a business, right? So complicated path to tread, isn't it? Yeah. On exactly. one hand, you've got the fact someone can die because of this, and the other hand, you've got the fact that some people manage. Yeah, and, and the the industry yeah. recognizes that this is not something that is good for them either. No, right? they they prefer yeah. someone who gambles for the rest of their life, reasonably, mm. than than gambling for a year all their money and then never gamble again because they they stop completely. So mm. there's no benefit for the industry to have uh, gamblers. Um, are desperate problem problematic gamblers, mm -hmm. and that's also very bad publicity for them. So mm. it, it's it's. A huge conversation that's happening obviously for mm. many years yeah uh, but yeah. they they yeah they there is something happening with mm. the government unfortunately i can't really really know what they are what's what happening uh, <laughs> yeah. they, we are hoping that things yeah. will happen and the nhs is also pushing a lot uh, okay. for, for this so we work uh, we actually have a partnership with uh, uh nhs uh, services a surgery in south london yeah. um so they are training their gps to identify the issues uh, so mm. but it's a pilot so yeah. it's working very well at the at this moment we work in collaboration with them mm. um, so there's stuff happening and as soon as you know this pilot shows that there is actually this is working this is needed then mm. hopefully that will be rolled out mm. Uh, mm. to the whole country and the NHS will actually mm. consider push mm. for a public health uh, agenda yeah. uh, on, on yeah. the, the gambling issues yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense doesn't it I know that's partly getting people to understand that this is a public health issue because a lot of the skills that we have in other areas are transferable and they can be used to support this population for sure what other resources are there because I can see we're coming towards the end of our time now so what other resources could maybe people listening um read or have a look at so that they can be better prepared so if you go into the website, the GAMCARE website, uh, there are referrals. So there's a, a route pathways to refer. A, well, a gambler will need to refer themselves. If you are a professional, you can refer someone who you were supporting. Um, unfortunately, we do not take uh, referrals from third parties. However, if you're a family member, 
we can also support you. If you're affected by someone else's gambling, we can help you. We can give you all the advice that you need. We can uh, help you understand how the addiction works. And we can also help you coping better with it, mm. uh, find ways to deal with difficult situations. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of self-help tools for gamblers on the website, um, resources available for gamblers, uh, but ultimately, there's also the, um, the 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 referral pathway, mm. which will put the person in touch mm. with the treatment team. Mm. Uh, there's also an online um, CBT course, so cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. It's all online. So there's eight modules that the the, the gambler can actually uh, complete, um, and they will have someone, uh, a professional, a practitioner, calling them at the end of each module they complete to review how how they felt, how uh, what was difficult, what were the benefits of it. So there's a little bit, a little bit of interaction mm. with a professional. Mm. But essentially, it's all done online. So for someone who is not ready to approach um, a professional and be in mm. sessions with mm. someone else, uh, mm. that's a good option. That's a brilliant resource. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's congratulations. That's a really good thing. We have and people can do their own learning at their own speed. They've got control. So yes. Maybe they don't have another areas of their life, but also and they can also choose to uh, step up and go into treatment as soon as they feel that they are ready to talk Love to it. someone. Um, we have forums where uh, chats, online chats, where gamblers will find about other people's situation mm. hear about similar situations in them so having the peer support and lived experience to share is really important and we also have a lived experience uh, service that makes sure that we integrate uh, or service users voice into mm. what we do so we listen yeah. to what helps what do they think is helpful for them what helped them when they went through that uh, that problem mm. and and integrate this in the way we support people we also have a partnership with Pirade, which is a lived experience um, mentoring service so when we have someone in treatment we can we can also put them in touch with a mentor which who has been through the same uh, so it's usually very helpful they have groups well-being groups um, so we have a bunch of things that are very helpful. It's, it's all on the website. Um, lot, lot of information there. I can't, I can't go through all of it. The self-help tools are really helpful. There's a, a, a booklet uh, for uh, gamblers to go through. There's a diary, uh, a gambling diary. There's uh, strategies uh, for them to use in terms of cognition uh, and thinking about what they, their triggers and their urges. So it's, yeah, it's all very useful. Yeah, some really great practice. So just before we come to an end, let's just check with Dave. Is there anything that you wanted to ask or add, Dave? Nothing to ask, uh, but just to add that, you know, I, I think it's uh, when I heard Bridget speak at the nursing practice conference that we uh, supported with Kagora. Uh, what's always great is a session where you feel by the end of it, any health professional that's listened has a toolkit of things that they can do. And I think, again, Bridget's given some really good ideas, some really good resources in terms of how people can support people with gambling addiction. So it's it's really great to hear that, isn't it, Nikki? Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you can leave um, the audience with, Bridget? Yes, of course. So, uh, well, one thing that I would like to say is that it's we see huge changes in people's life very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that... I, unfortunately it doesn't happen so quickly with other addictions but with gamblers specifically it's possible to see a u-turn uh, in their life quite 
significant, significantly and quite quickly, which is the good news. It's obviously the gambling debts uh, might stay, but in terms of psychological um, and relationships and all that, it's possible to see lots of change very quickly, uh, which is very, very good. And we do have around a 77% successful rate in treatments. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's just about getting people to get support, really, because the support works, the treatment works quite well. Um, it's just having them to 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 yeah. know about us and to contact us and yeah. not try to hide it any longer and try to not try yeah. to tackle this on their own. And the, what makes the biggest difference for gamblers is when they have the support of their loved ones, when they are able to talk as soon as they open up to their loved ones it changes completely the whole picture it's usually the moment when they talk they start talking to someone about what's mm. going on that everything changes mm. so it happens a lot with us they talk to us for the first time they never spoke to anyone else about what's going on they've been in that issue for 10 years holding that burden on their own and suddenly they decide to talk to someone and just verbalizing it makes all the difference and they hear themselves say do things and it makes a shift uh, mentally um, which is also very important when we uh, try to lead them to a point where they do this with their family family and loved ones uh, that's that's huge really and that's beautiful to see mm, it is it's an amazing success rate um, and coming from connection as well which is human stuff isn't it so yeah. thank you very very much for that and we've been tweeting out um uh, links and things that so if, you, if this is a subject that's touched you or that you want to learn more about please just check on um, the twitter feed and you'll be able to access that information or just google it um, and thank you all very much for your time today we've really enjoyed um, spending time with you and talking to you and if you've joined in with questions again thank you very much so moraine's for us just say bye then for the moment and um, we'll see you soon take thank care you everyone bye yeah, bye brilliant and, and Bridget, if you just turn your, monitor, your picture and microphone off again just while we do the closing video.